0: Chapters 48 and 49. Part 2. Section C of History of Philosophy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. History of Philosophy by William Turner, Part 2. Section C. Modern Philosophy. Division. The period extending from the middle of the 15th century to the beginning of the 17th was one of intellectual ferment in which the philosophy of the schools gradually disappeared and modern philosophy came to be more and more definitely distinguishable. During the first half of the 17th century, Descartes expounded and defended the first great system of the new philosophy, a system which dominated the whole course of thought during that century and served as a starting point for the principal systems of the following century. Towards the end of the 18th century, however, an age of criticism was inaugurated in opposition to the dogmatism and empiricism of the Cartesian philosophy and its derivatives, so that at the opening of the 19th century we find a new era, in which the predominating influence is that of Kant. We have, therefore, the following division of modern philosophy. First period. Transition from scholastic to modern philosophy 1450 to 1600 Second period from Descartes to Kant 1600 to 1800 Third period from Kant to our own time 1800 to 1900 First period transition from scholastic to modern philosophy The change from scholastic to modern philosophy was gradual, and, while its course is not easy to follow, the causes which led to the change are not far to seek. First among these must be mentioned the decay of scholasticism itself. The representatives of scholastic philosophy in the 15th and 16th centuries seem for the most part to have completely forgotten the principles of the classic scholasticism of the 13th century. Busying themselves with subtleties too refined to be grasped even by the learned, they utterly neglected the study of the scientific movement of their own day, and, in defiance of the method sanctioned by usage in the schools of the golden age of scholasticism, raised the argument from authority to a position of undue importance. There were, however, as we shall see, some notable exceptions to this. The decay of philosophical speculation in the schools and universities of the 15th and 16th centuries, the humanistic movement, the rapid progress of the natural sciences, and the influence of the first reformers contributed to bring about the transition from scholastic to modern philosophy. Mention must also be made of the political condition of the times, the disintegration of the idea of a united Christian empire, the growth of the idea of the political individuality of nations, the discovery of America, the invention of the art of printing, all of which necessitated a development and adaptation of speculative thought to the changed conditions of the time. That scholastic philosophy was capable of such development and adaptation must be admitted by all who recognize that thought is continuous in its historical evolution. And if such development and adaptation did not take place, the fault lay with those who failed to put scholasticism in its true light at this the most critical period in its history. Chapter 48 Scholastics of the Transition Period The exigencies of religious controversy arising out of the doctrines of the reformers brought about a revival of theological activity in the Catholic schools and universities of this period. The development of theological speculation naturally inspired the effort to restore and supplement the philosophy of the scholastics of the 13th century. When, therefore, the charge of frivolity and master worship is made against the scholastics of the 15th and 16th centuries, exception must be made in favour of those schoolmen who went back to the sources of genuine scholasticism and commented on the works of St Thomas and Scotus. Chief among the commentators of St. Thomas are Paulus Barbus Sonsinas, died 1494, who followed in the footsteps of Capriolus, Thomas de Vio Cahatanus, Cahitan, 1469-1534, who wrote what is still considered the classic commentary on the Summer Theologica of St. Thomas and Francis Asilvestris of Ferrara, Ferrariensis, 1474-1528. Who composed a masterly commentary on the Summa contra Gentiles? Mention must likewise be made of the theologians Melchior Cano (1509–1560), Dominicus de Soto (1494–1560), Dominicus Banyas (1528–1604), who commented on the Summa Theologica, and of John of St Thomas (1589) to 1644, who wrote a cursus philosophicus ad exactam veram e genuina aristotilis et doctoris angelici mentem. Under the influence of these Dominicans and that of the great Carmelite teachers, new zest was given to the study of St. Thomas at Salamanca and Alcala, while at the same time a new form of Thomism was developed by the Jesuit teachers at Quimbra and at other centres of learning in the Iberian Peninsula. With this, Neo-Thomism is associated the establishment of the School of Jesuit Theology at the Roman College. It was there that Vasquez, 1551-1604, to and Tolitus, 1532-1596, taught, who influenced to a great extent the subsequent development of Catholic theology. Among the Jesuits who taught at Quimbra, the best known is Fonseca, 1528-1599. to Suarez, fifteen forty eight to sixteen seventeen, the ablest and most distinguished of the Jesuit theologians and philosophers of this time, is associated with the intellectual prestige of Salamanca, Quimbrá, Halcála, and Rome. His works, which include twenty three folio volumes, contain, besides commentaries on the works of Saint Thomas, treatises which, like the Disputaciones Metaphysicae. Are important as independent contributions to the literature of scholastic philosophy. The principal representatives of the philosophy of Scotus are John the Englishman, died 1483; Johann Magistri, died 1482; Antonius Trombetta, died 1518; and Maurice the Irishman, 1463 to 1513. The philosophical significance of these teachers consists in the serious effort which they made to understand and expound the works of their predecessors, the great masters of scholastic philosophy. Chapter 49 The Humanists The movement known as the Renaissance is commonly said to date from the reign of Nicholas V, 1447. The principles, however, as well as the spirit of the movement, had appeared during the first years of the 15th century and were propagated and fostered by the Greek scholars who flocked to Italy after the fall of Constantinople, 1453. The Renaissance reached its golden age during the reign of Leo X, 1513. It consisted in a revival of the study of Greek and Roman classics, attention being paid to the form rather than to the contents of classical literature. The representatives of the movement were called humanists in allusion to their opposition to the scholastics who were alleged to have insisted on the divine or supernatural to the exclusion of the human or natural elements in their philosophical and theological and above all in their literary labours. The Renaissance is of interest primarily and essentially to the historian of literature. Secondarily, however, and as it were accidentally, It vitally affected the fate of scholastic philosophy and contributed to the transition from medieval to modern modes of thought. The humanists claimed the privilege of ridiculing and attacking the schoolmen, and such was the deplorably degenerate condition of scholasticism at that time that the ridicule was often deserved and almost always successful. But, not content with censuring what was deserving of censure, the humanists went so far as to condemn the entire system of scholastic philosophy and to include in their condemnation the work of the 13th-century masters, whose doctrines they never seriously attempted to understand. While lauding the literary excellence of the pagan classics, they lost no opportunity of defaming the great representatives of Christian thought. They were detractores, as well as laudatores temporis acti. In addition to this general opposition of the humanists to the learning of the schools, there appeared among the representatives of the Renaissance a more direct form of anti-scholasticism in the shape of a revival of the doctrines of the Platonic Academy. Gemistus Pletho, a Greek scholar who had attended the Council of Florence as ambassador of the Emperor John VIII, inspired Cosmo de' Medici with the idea of founding a Platonic Academy at Florence. He was aided in the work of expounding Platonism by Cardinal Bessarion, fourteen o three to fourteen seventy two, who was also a Greek. Among the Italian humanists, Lorenzo Valla, fourteen hundred to fourteen fifty seven, Marsilio Ficino, fourteen thirty three to fourteen ninety nine, Giovanni Pico della Mirandola, died fourteen ninety four, and his nephew, Giovanni Francesco Pico della Mirandola died 1533, distinguished themselves by the violence and acrimony with which they attacked the Aristotelians. At the same time, Theodore of Gaza, died 1478, and George of Trebizond, 1396-1484, to rose into prominence as defenders of the philosophy of Aristotle. Not only Platonism and Aristotelianism, but also Stoicism and Epicureanism, had their representatives among the humanists. Justus Lipsius, Joes Lips, 1547-1606, and Caspar Schopp, born 1562, revived the doctrines of the Stoa, while Gesendi, 1592-1655, reproduced the essential doctrines of Epicureanism. Paracelsus, 1493-1541, undertook the reform of medical science and developed a system of speculative thought in which chemistry and theosophy are mingled in the most fantastic manner. His influence is noticeable in the writings of Robert Flood, died 1637, and in those of the two Van Helmonts, died 1644 and 1699. Skepticism, a natural outcome of the intellectual confusion of the times, was represented in France by Montaigne, 1533-1592, to 1592, and Pierre Caron, 1541 to 1603, and in Portugal by Francisco Sanchez, died 1632. Far more important than these attempts of some of the humanists to restore the Platonism, Stoicism, Epicureanism, and Pyrrhonism of ancient times was the controversy waged by the various interpreters of Aristotle on the question of the immortality of the soul. Pietro Pomponazzi, or Pomponatius, 1462-1530, maintained that the Alexandrian interpreters understood Aristotle to teach that the human soul is mortal, and contended that this was the genuine mind of the Stagirite. Acelini, Nipho, Nifus, and others, followed the avaristic interpretation and contended that the separate or impersonal soul alone is immortal the individual soul being immortal according to theology, but mortal according to philosophy. Of great importance, too, was the anti-Aristotelian movement inaugurated by Petrus Ramus, Pierre de la Rame, slain in the massacre of St. Bartholomew's Day, 1572, who opposed the accepted Aristotelian system of logic and, in his treatises, Aristotelica Animad Versiones and Institutiones Dialecticae, attempted to formulate a new system of logical doctrine. From the ferment of thought occasioned by the mingling of all these elements, there emerged a more or less definite system of naturalism, known as the Italian philosophy of nature. End of chapter 49